You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 251. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the awesome bookkeeping software that I love using. I've been using it since 2012, so going on almost six years now because it makes my bookkeeping so simple as a small business owner. If you have your own small business and you do not love using your bookkeeping software as much as you love using your favorite social media, like for me, that would be Instagram. If you don't like it that much, please go over and try FreshBooks and see if you like it as much as I do. I find the way that they have structured everything from your invoicing to tracking your expenses, sending out your invoices, seeing if your clients have actually opened the invoices, et cetera, is so well done that it makes it just like another social media site. It's super simple, streamlined. They also have an app for your phone. You can bill your clients, you can bill your hours, you can have other clients and other people and team members in your backend as well, but they can only see the things that they need to see and so much more. If you wanna give it a try for 30 days for free, head over to freshbooks.com slash lively. Again, I hope you love it as much as I do because I can't believe I am this excited excited to talk about bookkeeping all the time because it's just that good. So I hope you like it as well. Now let's move on. Where am I? I am here in Sydney doing a Q&A episode. Thank you guys so much for all of your wonderful and sweet feedback about the episode that aired last week where I described how I think I may have found a new settling place, a new place for me to potentially set down what routes I may have going forward into the future here in Sydney. I'm so happy to be back. It feels so good to know that for the first time in a very long time, 18 months, I'm no longer thinking about where I need to flow to next. Yes, I still will travel, but it feels so good to know that I finally have a feeling of what feels like home or at least home right now for me and what that looks like. So I'm happily here and going to do a Q&A episode, put this out on Instagram and there are 78 questions. So for me to actually answer all 78 questions would take many, many hours. So I'm going to split this up. I may finish the questions or some of them in an upcoming December Q&A, but for now we're going to go through as many as we possibly can. So let's get started. We're going to start with Kelly Track, who said, hey Jess, I've asked the universe for more opportunities and some of the ones that I've received feel like an unaligned intuitive no, but then I worry I'm slapping the universe in the face by saying no and not taking them. Do you have any thoughts on this? Thanks Jess for everything you do. This is a great question, Kelly, and I think this is just a part of you learning that your point of attraction is getting stronger and higher. As it gets stronger and higher, more and more people are going to be attracted to you and want to do things with you. That is a part of having a good energy. People tend to like to be around positive energy. So as you're increasing it, it's not surprising that more things are flowing to you. It's just about you staying in alignment with yourself and letting your own inner being or intuition help guide you to the hell yes ones. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. So that was what I would say for that. I always go for my highest alignment and I don't overthink it. And I would ask you not to either. (laughs) Just do what feels like fun and let the rest flow. Now we'll move on to Katie Roselinch who said, who took you on that surprise holiday recently? (laughs) There's seven likes to this one. Okay, so I have met a certain wonderful person here in Sydney that I am seeing, and it's not the reason I'm moving to Sydney, so let's not get too far ahead of ourselves by any means, but yeah, was taken on a little surprise weekend with someone that is very, very nice and I'm enjoying spending time with right now in Sydney. 
Now we'll move on to Carrie Bell, who said, can you please come up to Melbourne and have a meetup? That's so sweet of you, Carrie. Yes, I'm sure I'll be going up to Melbourne as I get my logistics sorted out a little bit more. I've already had a meetup in Melbourne in the past, earlier this February, but I'm sure I'll be doing more in the future. So stay tuned for that. Now we have, oh, we have a really long question here. Let's see. Alida said, I used to run a ton and used a lot of my nervous, anxious, anger, excited energy to fuel my runs. Now that I'm more in the flow and have less of those strong emotions, I feel like I can't get past my relaxed state of mind and can never seem to be mentally or emotionally fueled enough to have a vigorous workout. I feel so good after an intense workout, but I feel a little stuck in my flow equals relaxed state mentally, which means my workouts tend to be strolls through the park. I'm content with it, but I know intensity and vigor can be where I thrive. On a higher level, is this a question of contentment versus thriving. Any advice? I would say I think you're kind of overthinking this here. I would say if you feel like doing an intense workout, go to an intense workout. If you don't feel like doing one, don't do one. It's really that simple. I think that your ego potentially might just be making a problem where there isn't one. Like if you're feeling good and you're doing what feels the most aligned in that good state, why is there some questioning going on in your head that says that this wonderful state couldn't be as wonderful as it is. So I think that if you just give yourself the credit to say maybe in the past you maybe had more adrenal fatigue or you used this exercise in a vigorous way to process out negative emotions and that was really useful for you, that's great. And maybe right now in this new state, it's just a season. It's not forever that you're only going to stroll in the park. Maybe you'll end up getting into some crazy high impact Zumba class or something else, but maybe it won't look the same in terms of the workout that you did in the past, or at least it's not going to come from the same state of alignment. So I would just say, you know, flow doesn't always have to be relaxed. Flow can be excited. Flow can be pumped up. And out of those states, you may want to do more vigorous activity, but it's still not going to be coming from this. I need to chill out. I need to relax from something that was not relaxed. So I think it'll come back in the future for you, just potentially in a different way. Now we have Chris Murphy 7 who said, how often do you see your parents? I know you've spoken up about your brother, but don't they miss you and you them? This is a personal question, of course, <laughs> which is totally fine. This is a Q&A episode, but I'll say for me, I'm not particularly super close with my parents or my brothers. I am the closest to my youngest brother, Michael, who's traveling the world right now on his own through remote year, which is super exciting for me to see him have his expansion and excitement in his own life. But for my parents, they're pretty hands-off when it comes to us children. They raise us to be very independent and very supportive of all of our endeavors and as a result, they kind of just let us do our things. They're not in our way. They're not telling us what to do. And I guess I deeply appreciate that. For example, when I told them about Australia, you know, there wasn't like a big, they don't get their own egos in the way of our lives. And I really appreciate that. So yeah, they would, I'm sure, like to see me, but we didn't see each other very often in the past. We would see each other maybe once or twice a year as it was. So I plan to keep a roughly similar schedule of seeing them now, just a longer plane flight away. Now we have Upcycled Education who said, ask Joe what he thinks about the new desire to live in one place being Sydney, please. Ooh, this is a good question. And I will tell you, I have not really used Joe to make this decision, which was interesting. And what does he say right now? Okay, so what does he think about the new desire to live in one place in Sydney? She's doing the right thing indeed, and she'll come to see in time that there are more things for her to be discovered here. Okay, so that's what he said. That's good to know. <laughs> Since I did not personally ask Joe when I made this call, it's nice to know if there are more things to be discovered here. 
Now we have Katie Davis Klee, who said, echoing the prior family question, is your family supportive of your endeavors? I tend to do things outside the box of my family's ways, and it makes it difficult to make decisions without disappointing them. I know it's them, not me, but it's still a struggle. This is interesting because for me, I'm very fortunate that my family is very supportive and independent about my jewelry company back when I was 15 and then my decision to take it full time and everything since then. I would say, actually even for example, I've said this a few times, I always say it in my speeches, the reason I started my jewelry company full time right out of college was actually based on advice my dad gave me while I was in high school. So of course when he was saying this, it was not a immediate threat or an immediate reality or potential, but it was a theoretical and philosophical choice and strategy decision that I did actually implement when I was graduating college many years later. So about five years later, I actually did his advice. So he couldn't really say, don't do it because he's literally the one that told me it, which was pretty simple. He said, when you're poor in college, you're not used to having anything. So when you start your jewelry company, which I had started when I was in high school, as a full-time business, he suggested that I do it then because that was my plan at the time was to take my little jewelry business to some great heights and be a millionaire jewelry designer or something. He said, do that from the start. Don't go get a job first. And that might be surprising because a lot of parents would say, oh no, that's not safe. Go get a job first and then figure it out. But he actually said, you're going to be poor, so you're not going to be used to making any money anyways. And if you get used to a cushy paycheck, your lifestyle is going to rise to that level most likely. And it's going to be harder for you to leave the paycheck and that lifestyle to start your own company versus if you start with nothing and you have nothing and you have very little expenses. You know, I had a little bit of student loan debt, but nothing exorbitant and nothing terrifyingly huge. I obviously paid it off as I went. It was just his advice was just to say, you're not making money. So as your business does better, your lifestyle will increase with it. And that was really wise advice. And I did end up taking that on. So that would be an example of them always. And I remember when I first sold my first ankle bracelet, I remember him saying when I was 15, he was like, you're going to buy me a boat one day. (laughs) And he also used to say things like, He was going to work for me because I was going to have this huge company. And one day I remember him coming home from a Thanksgiving football game, watching the Lions with my uncles and aunts and grandparents. And he was talking to them about how I was going to be president one day. So I definitely always had a very encouraging father and always was supportive of me taking, I guess, the path less traveled. But I do know other people that do not have that situation with their families. And those families have different values of security and have made different life choices as a result, too. So... For them, it is harder because they have to go against the current of their family. But I would just recognize that you have an inner being that you have to make peace with every night, not your parents. Your parents can call you. Your parents can cajole you. They can put pressure on you in whatever ways they can. And I'm not to say that they're not loud or in your face about it at times. But what I am saying is that there is an inner being, an intuition inside of you that will not stop 24-7. And to have the alignment with that voice within you that's going to help you sleep at night, that's going to actually create the emotions and neural peptides in your body and is going to end up creating the chronic emotional state of your life. Even though, yes, the thoughts about your family, you can fixate enough on enough to create a chronic emotional state, really going against your own inner being, your own intuition is the most uncomfortable place to be. So though you can for a while appease your family, long term, you're going to find that the other end of the stick is also uncomfortable, which would be going against yourself. So 
pick your poison, I would say, and have compassion for them and recognize that really what they're doing is putting their own egoic expectations onto you. While they may be putting it into the context of love, real love doesn't tell you what to do. Real love supports you and you listening to your own inner being. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't really love you in the ways that they know how to, but again, this isn't to say that their level of consciousness is there yet or may ever be there. And that's okay. I would have compassion for them. But again, you have to sleep with you. So that is my advice is to give them as much compassion as possible and compassion for yourself in the process and listen to your own inner being. Now we have, we are Bates who said, what's the best way to stop numbing emotions and feel them? Oh, this is a whole module in Flow With Intention online, and there are many different modalities that we go through in the class, but one of them I'm most recently interested in trying and getting good at myself, and in fact, one of them I just did for an hour today is emotional freedom technique, otherwise known as what I just call tapping. So if you want to Google that on YouTube, I don't have any specific videos that I would recommend personally because I'm just learning this through friends that have had incredible results with tapping and getting their experiences and applying it. Basically, I would say that that's the place I would start with. Obviously, you can also use meditation and observation. And things like a lot of Buddhist meditations will observe emotions. But in terms of stop numbing them and releasing them, I think that tapping would be the area right now I'm most interested in exploring. And maybe that's something you could check out as well. Now we have Abby Lutus who said, I'm new to writing to my intuition. How do I know for sure it's my intuition responding back and not my mind or ego based on recent thoughts I might have been having about this topic or issue? I would usually say, Abby, that 99.999 slash I can't think of another time it didn't have this reaction is that the voice you're hearing when it's your intuition is peaceful. Now, the interpretation or the reaction that your ego or mind has to the answers you're hearing may be fear-based, but the intuition itself will be peaceful. So to go back up to our earlier question about my parents don't like my decisions and so I'm disappointing them and stuff like that. Well, if you wrote your intuition about that subject, your intuition will have an answer that is both peaceful about your parents and their situation and peaceful about yourself. Now, whatever the intuition says about that that is peaceful, your ego may say, but that's impossible or I'm gonna have a freak out about taking that choice or quitting that job because I know my parents are gonna hate it. But the voice that you're hearing, you know it's your intuition when the actual advice you're getting is from the level and frequency of peace and calmness or happiness or joy, but not separation, not worry, not fear. So I always say there's kind of like, Abraham talks about this too, the problem mode and solution mode. The questions usually asking is the ego being in problem mode and the answers you're hearing are at a frequency and a level that's far beyond that at the level of a real solution that is already peaceful right now in the present moment, not waiting for some circumstance to necessarily happen where the ego often likes to future trip and think it'll be better when. Your intuition has a way of seeing it right now where it's also peaceful too. Now we have Angel Pearl Valtha who said, Hi Jess, I love the show and I've been listener since the past one and a half years. I started writing to my intuition a while back after listening to your show and it's been transformative. I'm happier and more peaceful, but sometimes I cannot hear anything back from my intuition. I'll ask a question and there is no response. This is mostly to do with difficult decisions where option A and option B lead to the same end result. Any tips on how to proceed? Lots of love and prayers to you. Thank you for all you do. This is a great question. Angel Pearl, I would say ask a different question. So if you're saying, should I do A or should I do B? And you hear nothing, 
ask a question like, how can I see this differently? Or what can I learn from this situation? Those open-ended questions will help you to get more information in a new direction that might still bring you to a solution or a direction to follow without using the A, B, what one should I take route? In fact, actually, I'm gonna create a intuition intensive program where I'm gonna do a little workshopping for two or three days and a little series with people where I go through and I ask the questions to everyone's intuitions. We did this in Flow with Intention many times through the coaching and there was something super magical about me asking the questions and the person using their intuition to reply back. So it's kind of this conversation or dialogue, a lot like the letters to intuition, But I think there was something about, you know, I've been doing this writing to the intuition thing for, I think, about eight years now. (laughs) So I've asked a lot of questions in my day. And also, I think maybe there's a little bit of Joe coming through, too, to ask the right questions. So there's some incredible results have happened. So I'll be emailing people on the email list about that if they want to join as well. So Keep that in mind if it's something you're interested in. I think it's gonna happen in January. So if you're on the email list, just keep an eye out for that if that's something you'd like to be a part of. Now we're gonna move on to Natalie Christine 56 who said, when you write out your five pages of gratitude daily, is a lot of it repeated from previous days? Does it matter? What's your strategy? Thank you. Yeah, I'll repeat whatever I'm feeling appreciation for in the present moment. So sometimes there's many things that are appreciated many days in a row if I still appreciate it. As long as I'm getting the juice of appreciation from whatever I'm writing down in my appreciation letters, that's all that matters. So if it's being appreciative of the book that I'm reading for those few weeks, or if it's the appreciation for the beautiful weather that continues to keep shining here in Sydney, that I'm going to keep writing those things down as long as I feel it. If I didn't feel appreciation for in the present moment, I wouldn't write it. Now we have Charmely, who said, where do you get those pink pens you use? Oh, that's funny. The pink pen, it's the same pink pen. What I literally do is just buy refill ink things that go into the ballpoint pen. So I just keep refilling this little push pen that I got from a cafe called Cafe No Say in Austin, Texas. I kind of love it because it's pink. And also it says Cafe No Say, which means cafe I don't know in Spanish. And I love that because to me, when I'm writing to my intuition, my ego doesn't know, but my intuition has the answers. So I love writing with it because to me, it's like a little homage to me connecting to my inner being or intuition or Joe in the process. Now we have Ms. Nola who said, hey Jess, have you done the landmark forum? If yes, I'd love to hear about your experience on any landmark courses. No, I've not done landmark, but I do know a friend or two who have done them, but I have not myself. Now we have NCV who said, what is the first event or desire that you used to put the law of attraction to the test? I'm getting into Abraham Hicks after hearing so much about it on your show and I'm combining it with listening to my own intuition. I'd love to hear more about your experience combining the two as well. The Lively Show is my favorite podcast and I'm so excited to hear about your adventures putting down some roots in Sydney. Well, thank you, my friend. I don't remember the first event or desire I used to put the law of attraction to the test. I just started using it because I'd been seeing it basically kind of working out out beforehand. I didn't know about it. I was just living in a really satisfied, amazing, eager state and things started going really well. So when I found the law of attraction, I was like, oh, this explains what this is. So I just got really into it. But as far as your intuition, I think that's great. I'm going to be talking more and more about this because to me, the show in my own life, obviously the show is kind of a reflection of where my own mind is going, is more and more on what Abraham, as you listen, you're going to hear them talk a lot about the inner being. The inner being is their word for intuition. So you're going to hear them say basically a lot of times, especially on the cruise, it all kind of boiled down to on the cruise for them with anybody in the hot seat. There's like step one, 
meditate, which is basically calming the mind so that you're getting out of your consciousness, you're getting out of the 5% consciousness, you're getting out of the ego. So you calm the mind and then they say that when a little thought comes to you or a little idea of excitement or something of curiosity, especially if you're like, whoa, where did that thought come from? They say that's your inner being trying to communicate with you. So that would be your intuition trying to communicate with you. Now, obviously, I've been writing to it for a very long time, and many people have had incredible results with that. So writing or listening through meditation are both ways for you to start connecting to that voice, and that's exactly what Abraham says to do. So that would be my suggestion on that. Now we have Cam's Berlin who said, have you seen Health for Free, the documentary on Gaia? I have not, but thank you for sharing it. Now we have Hannah Saunders who said, how do we achieve compassion while still being protective of ourselves? I don't know the context here, Hannah. So I would say right to your intuition because it sounds like there's something in your life that's bothering you or someone that's triggering you in some way in the ego and maybe their ego is attaching or attacking to your ego. And so there's this idea of trying to have compassion for them and yourselves, but also creating boundaries. Whatever the situation is, the answer lies within your own intuition. So I would try writing to it and you can learn how at justlively.com slash intuition. Actually, this follows to the same question coming up. Alisa says after this detailed process on how to talk to her intuition, go to justlively.com slash intuition to find out more. Now we have Nat Knack who said, hi Jess, do you track your energy and ease of alignment with the moon cycles like your friend Ezzy teaches? I noticed your trip to the summit was during the full moon and I'm wondering if that had something to do with how you were feeling. You know, that is so interesting. I felt pretty darn emotional during the full moon, which is a very typical thing if you get into the moon cycles to see. There's more people in the hospitals during the the full moon. There's more births during the full moon. There's a lot of interesting things that spike during a full moon, and emotion is one of them. And yes, I also had a period at that time too, so there's kind of a lot going on there. It could be I don't track my energy or put any energy into trying to make sense of my energy or alignment with the moon. To me, that would be adding more complication into my life rather than more ease and flow. But I did notice that the full moon was there and I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? So that's about as far as I went in terms of thinking about it with the moon. Now we have K.L. Schaefer who said, hi Jess, would love some advice on offering ourselves compassion and kindness for times when the ego makes it difficult for us to love ourselves. Thank you. Okay, advice on offering ourselves compassion and kindness. Well, I think the first thing is just to allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling, even if it's not compassion. So let's say you are really angry at someone or you really blew up at someone. Well, first of all, just stop fighting that first. We're not going to compassion. We're just going to first put down the sword. Because what happens is once we've taken the emotional sword or whatever, and we've done something that our ego decides is difficult to love ourselves for let's say like lashing out at a friend or partner or parent or family member, then we want to take that same sword emotionally that we've poked at them through whatever we've said and poke it back in ourselves. Like, I don't even know, like a ninja that's like killing themselves through putting the sword back into their own stomach. I don't even know what that's called. I'm sure many people are like, this is what that term is, Jess. But basically, you gotta stop doing that part. So you gotta stop beating yourself up, which is the first thing is just allowing and accepting whatever is coming up. And then after you've stopped fighting yourself for it, that's the first thing is put down the gun, put down the sword, put down the shame, put down the guilt. Once it's down, 
then compassion can enter. But I think that it's really hard when you haven't accepted where you're at to get to compassion. That's like step two. But the compassion is huge because the compassion is the handoff. It is the handoff of your consciousness from the ego, which is trying to punish yourself for whatever it's punishing you for, to the intuition, which is at love and compassion for you at all times. To get into that awareness and to get into that level and frequency, compassion is the handoff to see what the next step is or the peaceful reality of the situation is. But I think the first thing, if you're like, what do I do before compassion? It's stop fighting what is and just accept that that is what you're feeling right now, or that is the crappy feeling. You you feel fat right now or whatever the thing is. You got to just accept that that's how you feel, and then you can give the compassion for it. Now we have Jamie Bell who said, how can I manifest wonderful things if I'm clinically depressed and chronically fighting persistently dark and intrusive thoughts? I feel like my brain is a giant roadblock to my spirit. This is super powerful. And there's a few other replies. So I think that some people have tried to help out already, which is awesome. I love you guys so much. You guys are so supportive of everyone and everything. I love it. In terms of manifesting wonderful things while you're clinically depressed, I wouldn't start thinking about wonderful things while clinically depressed. I would start thinking about releasing the resistance. So I would just say that looking at if you're in depression, finding what feels like relief from that state is the first thing. So wonderful things might feel like way too high up on the emotional scale to even come close to versus as Abraham says, finding the feeling that feels like relief. Often after depression, which is a no energy state, it's a negative no energy state, getting to a negative but energetic state often feels better. It feels like relief. Now, you don't want to stay in a state like anger, rage, or frustration for long, but it is a passing through point where negativity becomes energized. And then as you get through that, you can get to neutrality, then to a lower level of optimism, to a higher positive feeling or wonderful things. So if you want, I would actually suggest, obviously, you're going to know whether your inner being is calling you to talk to a professional doctor and whatever with those types of things. But aside from that kind of stuff, a lot of the books that Abraham, one of them is about emotion, the wonderful things of emotion or something, that book, that one, there's tons of processes that can be useful that they've come up with to help people from a thinking perspective. So if you're beyond the clinical doctor route and all that kind of thing, then that might be something to look forward to or look into and see if it resonates for you. And of course, trying to write to your intuition or communicate in any way possible, if that's possible for you in that moment, would also be the number one place I would go first. Now we have something good BG who said, what's your current favorite workout on active or off of active? This is so interesting. I like long walks, but I don't actually work out. So I don't consider, even though I go on super long walks, it might be 10 miles long. I don't really consider it quote unquote a workout. I actually, I don't know if I've said this on the show yet, but I've been playing with this concept of visualizing my body without having workouts to manually create a healthy body. I know that might sound a little crazy. I'll be sharing more, I'm sure, as I keep playing with it. But that's the honest truth is I go on lots of long walks and I have loved active wind doing sprint workouts and stuff when I feel it. But lately there's been a lot of just long walks around beautiful places in Sydney. Uh, Now we have Shiana Blass who said, when you notice a negative or fearful thought, what are the positive mantras or words you say to yourself to get back into alignment? Thank you and appreciate you. When I notice a negative or fearful thought, I just kind of say, oh, that was the ego. 
And then, yeah, trying to have appreciation for something can be really helpful or often just even saying, oh, that was <laughs> my ego is enough. I don't really have to replace it with a positive mantra or words. But of course, I do love getting into alignment. So doing things that bring me joy. So what brings me the most joy in this moment? It might be eating a piece of chocolate. It might be going and reading and highlighting lots of books. It might be doing five pages of appreciation. It might be going on a long walk. All of those things, I just spend most of my time not focusing on what are the negative or fearful thoughts, but what's gonna get me into alignment right now. And as much as I focus on that, the little things that are negative don't usually get too much in my way. Or if they do kind of like, I don't know, kind of spread and get like a little bit of a bigger set, like a mood, if you will. Then again, I go straight to what's going to get me into alignment right now. Is that going to be the Gilmore Girls? I haven't watched that in a long time because I don't have a Netflix account right now. <laughs> so I don't actually do that at this moment, but I've been doing a lot of writing and reading and even going and writing and reading on the weekends if I'm feeling out of alignment, knowing that that can make me so happy. Now we have Marta Lee who said, I'm so grateful for what you do with the ways in which you're sharing your stunning vibration with the universe. Thank you. I was wondering if you have any suggestions for adjusting to daylight savings time. I live in LA right now by the beach in Venice, so I get outside as much as possible, but the shorter days are feeling challenging to adjust to. I naturally sleep from 10 to 6, but I am lately have been feeling extremely tired and low energy by like 8. Thank you so much, Jess. I'm so excited to hear about your unfolding of establishing roots in Sydney. You sound so at peace, and I even had a sigh of relief for you listening to the episode this morning. Oh, that's so cute, Marta. I would say I give yourself some time and space to adjust, but I really think it boils down to alignment. So if you feel like going to bed earlier, go to bed earlier. I don't, I don't know if there needs to be a fighting of that, maybe. Maybe you just kind of adjust to going to bed at nine instead of 10 and waking up at five instead of six. That could be a potential possibility or writing to your intuition about what the peaceful solution it would be for you. I don't really have any magical personal thoughts on that other than to write to your intuition for your specific situation. Now we have Bright Blue Moment who said, have you thought about living two places? You could follow the sun with a winter spot and a summer spot, so to speak. No reason to limit yourself, right? This is a great question and actually it's what I've done this year. I spent summer in Sydney in January through May, then I did northern summer in London and then I came back here for the warm weather. So yes, that is definitely something I could see doing in the future as well. Right now, I don't wanna have two leases and I am sick of traveling. So I wanna pick a place that feels the most aligned for most of the time to start. And that feels like Sydney and the great news is unlike London, which has pretty cold and dark and colder weather in the winter, the winters in Sydney aren't nearly as cold. So if I'm spending more time here through the initial winters, it's not actually that bad. So. That would be my choice for right now. Now we have the official Allison Rep who said, you mentioned doing some stuff for the emotion code. Have you done anything with the body code? It seems to be more comprehensive, but it's very expensive. I've never actually heard of the body code. So I don't even know what that is, but very interesting. Maybe I'll look into it. Thanks for sharing that, Allison. Now we have Neely O. C, who said, how do you know if I'm self-sabotaging my relationship by ruminating on the negative and always finding faults with my partner or if the problems in my relationship are really deal breaker problems? It feels like my intuition is pulling me in two different directions all the time and a clear answer can't come out. This is an interesting question and I will say my suggestion is get into a very consistent state of alignment around every other subject except for relationship as much as you can. And from that really, as much as you can sustain positive aligned state, then shine a brief light on the intuition 
and your relationship from a really highly aligned state and see what feels right there. Doing this from an aligned state is the best place to see what is in alignment when you're in alignment versus when you're out of alignment. That would be the case. That was my decision to end my relationship and I think it ended so well because I was in an aligned state making that choice. Now we have Arigi who said, I've always wanted to ask you, how do you find these amazing conferences you attend and where can we find them? Thanks. I find them online through email lists like you know, Joe Dispenza or Greg Braden have email lists that I'm on. So they'll talk about the events that they're going to have coming up. And then of course I have friends recommend them to me as I go. So it's kind of a mix of all of those things. Now we have Miss Erin Lacey who said, how do you envision your ideal living space now that you've decided to settle? Approximate square footage, design style, must-haves, don't needs. Will there be marble tables or will the marble table be there? Excited for you wherever this new chapter flows. I love this question and the marble table. So for those that remember my home tour, I said I was gonna be like buried with my marble table. And then 30 minutes later, I sold all my house and furniture to the girl that bought it. (laughs) And I did tell her, I'm going to keep this table and I'm gonna take it with me. But the truth be told, especially if I do relocate more permanently to Sydney, marble's very fragile. And obviously they have marble in Australia, so they get it here somehow. But I will say, I don't actually feel like relocating that marble table. And overall, I would just say even in the States, unless I was in Ann Arbor and then it was an easy move to another place in the same city, I don't actually feel tied to that table. It's a beautiful table. I love the table. I can release the table. Things are things. I no longer have the emotional attachment to stuff the way that I had in the past. This is a new just that you're hearing speak, obviously, because that was not my state or thoughts way back when, but no, I figure I can get a new marble table that will have new memories for me and I do not need that specific table to be in my life. It's being enjoyed by the owner of it now very much, who's the owner of the house still has it in her home and I'm just gonna let her keep it. So yeah, that is the plan. In terms of my vision and designing to settle here, I would love a very clean, bright, light, white place with beautiful wood floors. I see having very minimal possessions, especially as I start, because I don't really know how long I'll have roots here. So I don't want to have too much stuff, but obviously I would love to have a beautiful rug, a beautiful sofa, some chairs, some plants. What's become my vision, instead of as much clutter and decor, it's not that my last house was cluttered. It just feels cluttered now to my own sensibilities after living out of a suitcase and staying in so many different interiors around the world. So now I'm much more drawn to architectural detail on walls, like trim still, I love. I love architectural detail of the like floors that are well-made and those sorts of things. I love modern kitchens now. I think that's because of Europe. There's so many modern kitchens there. But when it comes to decor, the things that I'm most drawn to are plants, woven baskets, and candles and crystals, like very earthy, natural elements that are very kind of sparing and not a lot of art. So that is different than my old life and my own personal design taste. So I think that those things are the things that I envision having in my future home. So I wanna have this ease and this openness that I've gotten very used to in these beautiful Airbnbs I've stayed in that don't have a lot of stuff that are very minimal, but it's all very clean, white and bright. So I see myself having something along those lines. 
So now we have Kay Halem McAvoy who said, what are your personal goals and how has your approach to this changed since you begun to focus more on alignment and flow? This is so interesting because I have a friend who's been going through personal goal setting this week and asking me a lot of questions about this subject. I don't actually really have goals. Sometimes I'll think about things and they can include a metric, which you could say like a monetary value of something for the business or something, or like my personal assets, that kind of thing. And I could think about it, but then I am immediately just think, what does that number represent to me? What are the feelings of that number? What does that allow for me to do in my life? And I go to those things. So I just, I skip over the number and strategizing the means and how I'll get there. And I just think about why that feels so good to feel. And then I feel those feelings. So I very, very, very light slash have no goals. But I guess you could say if I've ever thought like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to make this for the business? I have that thought. And then I think about what that would allow, how many schools that would build through Pencils of Promise and that kind of thing. But I don't get too far out of that detail. I don't get that caught in the nitty gritty. And as a result, I'm finding that I flow and float to those numbers and goals so much easier. So definitely don't get bogged down by the details and stay mostly just focused on alignment, 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 and the rest just works itself out. One Lovely Life One said, how do you recommend listening to or reading for quantum high vibe living with kids? I'd love to hear a parent's perspective. This is a great question and a lot of people in Flow With Intention, I'm not sure if you're a member or not, talk about. So it's something that if you are not in Flow With Intention might be something you want to join to have more conversations with parents that are starting to teach this to their children too. Now we have Everyday Erin who said, update on your food intolerances and how you healed them. Was it theta healing or RTT? I can't remember. Yes, I had found out that I had food intolerances or sensitivities to gluten, dairy, eggs, wheat, and peanuts in Costa Rica through a kinesiology, kind of like a doctor's appointment with a a Western and Eastern medical doctor who did kinesiology and muscle testing on me to find out that those were the sensitivities I had. Now, this is back when I had very, very, very intense cystic acne as well. And when he told me that, he especially thought that the eggs, because I was already avoiding for the most part, gluten and dairy, because Elisa Vitti had already warned me of those things. But the eggs, I was eating every day a lot of eggs. I probably overdid the eggs. Not that eggs are always bad, but I probably overdid them having them so often. By not eating the eggs and peanuts, but I think peanuts were a much more secondary role, I lost the most significant worst level of acne that I had the whole time, but then continued to have, you know, a moderate to slightly severe case of acne until I did theta healing, which is not something I've spoken very much about on this show, but I would like to potentially do some episodes on it. You can look it up at thetahealing.com, I believe, to find out more. But I worked with a theta practitioner, which you can work with one if you want to through thetahealing.com and find one that sounds like a fit for you. But I did a sessions, a series of sessions with one about the subconscious beliefs that my brain had to how it processed those foods. And as a result, I can now eat those foods, which feels wonderful to not feel limited by that and to know through RTT, the reasons that I had the period, the lack of periods at the time and the hormone imbalances. So now I get the periods almost completely regularly now and I get to eat whatever I want, which feels incredible. So happy for those outcomes and so surprised at how different it was to solve than what I initially expected, which was thinking I needed to do it with supplements and with foods and to realize you can do it with subconscious. It's just, to me, the most magical, wonderful, amazing thing ever. Now we have Sierra Likes Dogs. You said, if intuition has a name, does ego have a name? That's a real interesting question, Sierra. I think you could name your ego if you want to, 
Or maybe you could consider ego as the name. That's what I kind of think of. Now we have Taryn Lines who said, do you ever offer online RTT or have any recommendations for a therapist online? No, I don't make any personal recommendations for therapists. I know in Flow With Intention, if you're a member, a lot of people in the community have talked about the therapists that they've liked and recommended. So there's definitely a lot of people sharing different therapists they've had good recommendations with there. If you're not a member, I would just say using your intuition to find or flow to one or find recommendations or reviews online through searching. You can work with anyone as long as they have Skype. So yeah, you don't have to worry about being in person. And no, I personally don't offer RTT. It's something I wanted to learn and I love using for friends and family, but not something I do professionally. Okay. The last question, can you use law of attraction and visualization to attract estranged friends or family members back into your life? This is asked by Gracie Caden's mom. Very interesting. I would say that you can try, but there are two people here that have two different points of attraction. There's you and then there is that friend or family member. So I can say you can try it, but I don't think that you can guarantee it because there's that point of attraction as well. And if they don't want that, then you can't vibrate for them. I always say that in class. You can't shake someone and vibrate for them. (laughs) You can't shake them hard enough to make them vibrate enough. So if they're not a vibrational match, even though you're thinking about it, I don't think that you can force a connection. It has to be something that is a law of attraction match. So there you have it, guys. Thank you guys so much for your questions as always. And like I said, I didn't get to nearly all of these, so I can always continue to answer these coming up in December as well. And if you wanna find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C as in Canberra Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash November 2017 questions. Now for where I'm headed to next, as you guys know, I'm staying here in Sydney for a little while longer before another stop in the U.S. And until Thursday, may something wonderful happen to you today.